Hi, welcome to Diversity in D313. I'm your host, Anna, and that's my co-host. And today we're just going to be going over some stuff that we missed out on our last episode. What we're thinking of on the FPD truck, FPD duck trial. Um, the whole thing about MUAP, one of the large killers of FPD duck. That's were all about placing MUAP at the car dealership where a car used in the murder was returned, but car salesman who was there didn't even see MUAP. I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, he didn't see him. He didn't see him. I mean, mm. I, I mean, he could have got he could have he could have got in the car with the other people. He could have got dropped off. Never know what that type of thing. I mean, he got into one of those cars. I mean, he was it was seen on camera leaving out of out of old block, getting into one of those cars. So he was there somehow, some way. And then the car used in Duck's murder. It's all tangled up with Los, who's also in this case. And Los bought the car from the dealership. But after Duck's death, he knew he had to return it because it was caught on camera during the crime. The car salesman said that Los was planning to return the car anyway, even before Duck's death. Do you think that's a coincidence? Yeah, that's weird. So the car salesman got on a stand. It said, it said he sold the car to Los, but later found out there was some shady stuff with Los's application. He put wrong job info, info and other stuff. The dealership called Los, asking him to return the car. But just like that, we already knew that is not how it goes down. Like, Los reportedly said he he's not just going to hand it over. He said he had put money into that car, tinted the windows, and other enhancements. So he struck, he struck a deal. He'll return it if he gets the money back for the tents and his deposits that he put on the car. I mean, that would even make common sense because if he said that he was going to return it anyway, but it wasn't, it was, he wasn't returning it on his own will. He was returning it back because all his stuff was shady. That don't even go together. Right. And then on the day Duck died, Los reportedly returned the car. And the salesman said he remembered seeing Los's baby mom on the car that picked up Los, but insists he didn't see Muwap. The feds say they got footage of Muwap at the dealership, but if the salesman didn't see him, what does that mean for the video evidence? Are they just seeing shadows? How are you going to see a shadow of a person? They're not going to go off of a damn shadow of a person over surveillance. <laughs> if his baby mama came and picked him up, Who's the hell to say that move while went in the car with his baby mama? I mean, duh, that's the way I would look at it. If he had to get picked up. <laughs> and the courtroom drama doesn't stop there. Losa's baby mama was supposed to testify. But there was a whole commotion about whether she would be allowed to be on the stand. The defense was trying to block her, saying she was a key witness. And shouldn't have been in the courtroom to hear all the case details. Like I said, our last episode. Because she's probably dumb, like he is. But no, I can't say that because I don't know lately, but still. Like, everybody knows, like, if you're a witness in a case and you're supposed to be in a stand, you're not supposed to be in a courtroom. Meanwhile, Butta, another key figure in the case, took the stand. And he streets are calling him a, you know, a snitch. But he stuck to his story, and he's not backing down from his earlier statements. 
What is revelation? The court had raised eyebrows. With some wondering if his testimony borders on snitching. He's been providing detailed information on the perpetrators behind multiple murders. A move that has significant implications for those involved. One of the most notable aspects of the tri this trial is a frequent mention of rapper Little Dirk. Despite his name coming up multiple times, Dirk's lack of direct ties to Oblock seems to be his saving grace, keeping him clear of any legal repercussions in this case. This trial could mark a pivotal moment in the city's fight against organized crime. And then there is a rumor that Vaughn put the money up to take out Duck, but Vaughn is dead. So there's plenty of tension among the players, and it's all playing out in the courtroom. I'm hearing some of the bloggers is, got kicked out of the courtroom that are not typically journalists, which makes sense because it's a federal case. So that's what we got. And that's, you know, the weird twists and turns of the case so far. So hoping it shapes up because, like you said, if for it being a federal case, it's really, really sloppy. I mean, they can say he, they can say he snitched all he wants to. He was he a part of? If he, if he can't, if you can't place him a part of none of that, how's he snitching? That's what people got their priorities fucked up at. Snitching is when you with somebody and y'all commit that crime, and they ask you when you tell. That's snitching. Yeah. And he giving you, if he giving you some shit that he probably know about or done or I mean who gonna get locked up for the shit that he's saying he's saying he's saying that what K.I. killed Odie Perry because Odie Perry killed Tuka and T-Roy killed um Dale and Modell so last time I checked K.I. was dead Odie Perry was dead T-Roy is dead so I mean who gonna go to jail Vaughn, he did. Who's gonna go to jail? Like yeah, they're all dead, so you can't try a dead man. I mean, it did. I mean, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. Me and Ki killed Odie Perry. And the whole thing is, I think it helps tie up some cold cases. Yeah, and it shows it's gang is is gang related. What do gangs do? That's the whole purpose of gangs. One person gets charged. Gang get a Rico. Yeah. Organized crimes get the Rico charges. So like it just making the, the case of the damn Rico. Basically, yeah. So shown, you know, gangs retaliate. Because obviously the Chicago police so damn dumb or don't give a damn. They well, can't figure nothing out or they probably know it all. They probably the one gave them the damn guns to kill each other. Well, you know when all a lot of this stuff was going down, Warrior Lightfoot was there. Yeah, ain't nobody bringing her up on nothing. And they said she's corrupt, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now we'll go on to a phone call from a stranger helped her understand why her mother disappeared 40 years earlier. Misty Labine spent her whole life wondering why her mother left her family when she was only a year old. Connie Christensen's disappearance 40 years, old, 40 years ago from Wisconsin wasn't out the blue for the rest of her relatives. She had left before running away when she was a teen teenager and even did a stint at a carnival. Missy Labine spent her whole life wondering why her mother left her family when she was only a year old. Connie Christensen's disappearance 40 years ago from Wisconsin wasn't on the blue for the rest of her... Okay, I just read that twice. Sorry, y'all. After my own kids were born, I was like, how could she have left me like that? Labine told CNN. I would never do that to my kids. 
Her whole life, Labine only heard whispers about her mother. The rest of her family was hurt and reluctant, even to talk about Christensen, believing she'd chosen to walk away at just 20 years old. At that time, though, there was something else Labine didn't know. Strangers, hundreds of miles away, were hunting answers to this very same mystery. Their key to unlocking it, with her help, would be time, along with the inexorable advance of science. Eventually, those seeking the truth would connect, and a grown daughter would understand why her mom's leaving may not have been her choice. Hunters in the woods and in the lab, hunters had found them near Martindale Creek in a rural area mainly used for hunting and farming, she said, but due to flooding, the remains were damaged beyond recognition, and they ended up in the University of Indianapolis for storage. But the coroner's office never stopped trying to figure out their identity. And over those years, science was improving. Within two generations, investigators had vaulted from relying on drawings to try to identify the missing and the slain to mining the evidence itself for tiny, delicate strands that could pinpoint exactly who somebody was. Technology had gotten so good, in fact, that in 2021, the Wayne County Coroner's Office figured out who the remains belonged to, Ogden told CNN. The first attempt failed. There wasn't enough genetic material to generate a usable DNA profile, she said. They tried a second DNA extraction. Another failure. Then she explained Ogden and her team tried a DNA extracted from a bone in the foot. A critical link waiting to be found. Around the same time, someone in Christensen's family had taken up an interest in genealogy. It was encouraging her relatives to submit DNA records to public sources that help people build out family trees. Lauded as a way to explore personal history and connect with previously unknown kin, DNA matching also has been used to link victims to criminals, such as a happy face killer who murdered at least eight women. It helped lead police to a Golden State killer suspected of a dozen homicides and over 50 rapes. Authorities in the Golden State case used a free genealogy and DNA databases, GDMatch, to link crime scene DNA with a pool of possible suspects, creating the using DNA profiles or genealogical data from public services like Ancestry, the kind Christensen's relative had encouraged her family to use. GDMatch is also used by DNA Doge Project, a nonprofit that uses investigative genetic genealogy to identify anonymous remains. Working with that group, and DNA from the footbone of the Martindale Creek remains, the Wayne County Coroner's officer, Office tried to craft a potential family tree for the person the hunters found back in 1982, Ogden said. Within 24 hours, they had a strong lead. The DNA Doe Project's Lord Flowers told CNN. CNN, the nonprofit had narrowed GED matches pool of possible DNA links to Martindale Creek. Martindale Creek remains to the Christensen siblings. She said, then combing through family social media posts and relative obituaries, investigators noticed something. Connie Christensen had disappeared from her family's public record, but they still had to confirm it. Ogden reached out to the missing woman's child, Labine. Being on the ground floor, Ogden recalled, I was the one that called her daughter and said, I'm a complete stranger. Can I come swap your cheek? Reclaiming her own mother's identity. The match was her mother. Beyond Christensen's identity, the coroner's office also shared a discovery. His team had made about how Labine's mother had died, Ogden said, a gunshot wound. The grim detail let loose a tangle of new questions. What was Christensen's doing in Indiana? Who killed her and why? Labine, was spent, was, went, uh, Labine went to the spot near Martindale Creek where her mother's remains had been found. She said and wondered how the killer had gotten Christensen so far away from the nearest bus line. 
In some ways, it makes me feel a little bit better instead of learning the real story of her mom's absence. But it also makes me angry because I could have had the chance to know her and somebody took the chance away from me. Maybe publicity about the case will help her family find more answers, Bean said. Even without that, though, knowing what happened to Kristen released the throttle her family had held so tightly on her memory. It gets to the child who'd wondered for so long why she'd been abandoned. The biggest thing is, I've always loved animals, Levine said, and then I found out that she really liked cats. That's kind of something I got from her. Levine also reclaimed the opal ring her mother was wearing when she died. And not to her own childhood, when some of the first jewelry pieces she held dear were opals, she said. The gold band with two diamonds and an opal hangs on a chain around the neck of the grown daughter, now a mother herself. It's really come full circle, Ogden said. She's wearing the ring that was found there 40 years ago, and it's mind-blowing to think that your DNA is able to provide that closure. Meanwhile, Christensen's remains were laid to rest in April among her relatives, including her parents. Her obituary read, We were able to get her family back to the site where her mom was found so they could leave flowers and have some quiet moments out there. Ogden said some yearnings will remain unrecorded. Like how Labine wished her mother could have done her hair before her first middle school dance. The way she said she was to have done her own sisters, she told CNN. Still, the grown daughter, with her whole family, is now eager to bring the lost young mother back into an embrace multiplied over decades as they finally grieve all they truly lost. If Connie would still be here with us, she would have been surrounded by all of her nieces, nephews, great nieces, and nephews, aunts, uncles, and many cousins from both sides of the family. Her obituary read, Connie would have been an amazing mother to her only daughter, Misty, and her husband, Dan Labine. She never had the chance to be a great and loving grandmother. Yeah, that's why DNA helps. Like, so, you know, technology is so great these days. Yeah. Hey, I did a DNA test. I just hope no one ever comes me and be like hey you know one of your one of your ancestors were a, a serial killer or something you know but hey it helps you learn about your family tree and everything yeah. so, anything you want to say about that lions game that the lions tanked that no words can even express how upset that was well, on that note, do you want to say anything before we close? No, you're done for the day? Okay. Well, on that part, I just want to say thank you to all our listeners. We really appreciate you. If you like what you hear, please don't forget to subscribe, like, follow, and comment. We are also available on the following platforms, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and more. Our Facebook page is Diversity in the D. Our email is diversityinthed at gmail.com, but it's spelled D-I-B-E-R-C-I-T-Y-I-N-T-H-E-D. Thanks to our listeners. Again, without you, there's no us. And we are now on Instagram at Diversity in the D. I hope you guys have a great week.